Hey listeners, my name is Elisha, the founder of the Witnesses Podcast. It's so beautiful to have you listening to our podcast. And I want you to know something that that means a whole lot to me. Thank you for tuning in. And one thing I love to tell all of our listeners is, it's not just about you listening, but listening to understand. Understanding is the most important thing. So important. So, you have to listen, learn, and practice. Thank you so very much and happy listening. Elijah. 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 Okay. It's nice to have you on the it's show. It's nice to have, have you on the show. How are you doing? Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Okay. So before we begin with okay. your Okay. So before we begin with your You know, I say this often times. I say this often times. The essence of the show. The essence of the show to bring amazing guests, guests who have triumphed over one challenge yes, or another. Guests who have triumphed over one challenge or another. And they came out of it triumphantly. And they came out of it yes. triumphantly. We believe that yes. in our audience. Give me one second, brother. You're, in you're, our you're, audience. you're breaking up a little bit, so I'm going to switch my network and see if that helps. Okay. Okay. So while we wait for Tarek, how are you guys doing? All right. <laughs> okay. All right, I got you back, but it's still still a very You're choppy back. connection. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know why, because my on my end it's it's good. Okay. Is it still breaking? Okay. All right, let's see what we can do with it. Okay. Okay. So let us get started with your so story. Let us get started with your story, Talk to us oh, about what would you like to know? So um, the what challenges. Part of my story, brother. Yeah. The challenges. Yeah. And how you came out of it triumphantly. Now you came out of it triumphantly. So, the challenges that I had in my life were my mindset and what I was taught and how I was conditioned to think, how I was conditioned to receive love, how I was conditioned to see my place in the world. And I experienced things as a child that were pretty traumatic from a very young age all the way through my teenage years and plenty of trauma in my adult years as well. And those traumas impacted the way that I made all my choices in life. And that was based in fear because I had no faith in my life. I grew up with a devout Catholic mother and a devout Muslim father under the same roof. And I went to Catholic school for 14 years and I would go to the mosque on Fridays with my father for Jumma prayer. I had an imam come to the house and teach me the Quran. And I was very confused about God because I was only exposed to religion. I wasn't exposed to a relationship with God. Yeah. And 
it created a lot of identity issues in my life and it created a lot of problems in the sense that I couldn't make both of my parents happy because my mother expected me to be Catholic and my father expected me to be Muslim. So it was a crisis of how do I exist and receive full love from both of my parents. And I held a lot of resentment towards the concept of God for decades. And I held resentment towards my parents for decades because I felt like I was never good enough for them. And my, my parents endured a lot of trauma in their life. And obviously as a child, I couldn't take that into consideration because I didn't have a mind that was developed and capable to comprehend anything about trauma or what someone else endures and to attempt to have empathy as a young child who's in pain, it's difficult. And that created a lot of insecurity and uncertainty in who I was, where I fit in, and how I could incorporate God into my life. And I turned away from the concept of God because I only knew religion and my experience with religion was traumatizing. Now, I also absorbed my parents' trauma because they were only able to give me the love that they were capable of giving me. Now, a former version of myself used to think that my parents didn't love me. The version of myself today understands they loved me the best they knew how. They could only give me the love they themselves had received See. and try not to give me parts that they did receive. But at the end of the day, they were conditioned to understand and comprehend and give love the way that it was given to them. If you don't seek a deeper understanding, if you don't seek enlightenment, if you don't seek help and self-reflection, you are who you are and you don't even realize it. At a subconscious level, it's not even you making your decisions. It's your experiences. It's your relationships. It's those powerful moments in your life that show up in other parts of your life. And it's those parts of yourself that are responding. It's not even you. And, you know, I experienced a lot of violence in varying forms uh, inside the home, outside the home, a lot of emotional trauma. And, you know, when I was 11 years old, I watched my father get stabbed right in front of my eyes. Mm. And I was paralyzed in fear. And I couldn't do anything about it. And I felt like a failure. And looking back on it, I was so cruel to myself because I felt like the world was cruel to me and the world taught me to be cruel to myself. To look back on it as an 11-year-old child to think that I was weak, that's so unloving. That's so unfair to myself. And I realized about four years ago that I was incapable of loving myself because I was incapable of receiving love. And even though I thought I was an extraordinarily loving and giving and generous person, it, 
in actuality, I wasn't because I couldn't comprehend how to receive love from people or give it to myself. And over the last few years, out of pure despair, because I, I turned to alcohol and drugs as a way to numb for many years. And after about a decade battle with alcohol and drugs, I got sober, but I harnessed all of the negative emotions in my life. I harnessed insecurity, I harnessed pain, I harnessed rage, I harnessed self-resentment, self-pity, resentment of others. I had something to prove and I channeled all of that and I lived in that state. And I stayed sober for eight and a half years and the pain overwhelmed me. You know, in that eight and a half years, I had achieved so much in my life that I never thought I was capable of. I barely graduated from high school with like a 1.6 GPA. I had no education. I spent my life being an addict and an alcoholic with no purpose, no vision. And that was 29 when I got sober. And it was six months after my father died in my arms. You know, I watched a man get stabbed in front of me when I was 11. And then when I was 28 years old, he died in my arms. And he was the most important person in my life. I wanted his love more than anything in the world. And he did love me more than anything in the world. I just couldn't receive it because his love was rooted in pain, his own pain. He only knew how to love how he knew how to love. And that made me spiral. And I woke up handcuffed to a hospital bed about six months after my father passed away. And that was the last time I drank or did drugs for over 3000 days. And the pain eventually that I was trying to bury just resurfaced to an extent I couldn't bury it anymore. I was going through a divorce. I was the one who asked for the divorce because I just couldn't take it anymore. And I didn't have the tools to stick it out. I didn't, I, I was lost. And, you know, this whole time I'm going through my life, believing in God, but hating him. And over the last several years, you know, I've, I got sober again and it took hell on earth to get there. I, I destroyed my entire life that I had built in sobriety. I broke up my family. I lost custody of my children. It was hell on earth, truly hell on earth. And, you know, God saved my life when I cried out to him for the first time. I begged him. I said, I don't know who you are. I don't know what your name is, but I beg you to save my life. He revealed himself to me that night in the most profound way. And it still wasn't enough because my ego is still too big. My insecurity was still too big. My desire to prove myself to myself and everybody else was still too big. And I suffered for another two years tremendously. And everyone else around me suffered tremendously. And then I dropped to my knees again for the second time in my life. But this time I didn't ask God to save my life. I asked him to end my life. I just couldn't see a way out other than death. And God listened again and he took my life completely under his control because I begged him in absolute despair. And I went to rehab and I started going to Alcoholics Anonymous and I started reading the Bible every single day and I started pursuing my own relationship and understanding of God. I didn't pursue it through any form of religion other than the Bible. And the Bible is not religion. 
The Bible is yeah. God's word. It's instructions for our life. Yeah. Beautiful. And I chose so to do that every single day. Great. Yeah, it was my number one priority. And it was the most important relationship in my life. You know, I spent my life trying to fill a massive void inside of me with alcohol, with drugs, with sex, with extremely self-harming behavior, risky behavior, money, gambling, pornography, everything imaginable. And none of it worked because the only thing that can fill a God-sized void in your life is God. And I made him the most important relationship of my life. I learned how to forgive myself and forgive others the way God forgave me. I learned how to talk to him in everything, give it all to him, hide nothing from him, tell him the truths I can't even admit to myself. I learned to rely on him. I learned to understand his will for my life. And it was a great healing transformation. All I did for a year and a half was study the Bible, go to therapy of so many different types and go to Alcoholics Anonymous. And within a year of doing that, God and my ex-wife blessed me with getting my children back. And I just dedicated my life to God. You know, I, I used to have a career that I took all the pride in the world in and I had achieved more than most people ever would. And I took everyone with me to the top and I was making millions of dollars and it came to a point after not working for almost two years. Okay, well, I'm going to have to start working again, but I still didn't understand God's will for my life. So I chose not to go back and I chose to continue to seek his will and surrender to him. I knew he had a purpose for me. I knew he had a calling for me and I dedicated my life to understanding that. And within about another six months, he, he fully revealed, you know, he'd already revealed it to me a long time ago when he saved my life. I just didn't understand it. And then I understood it. And now I never went back to that old career and I've dedicated my life to serving God to helping people understand the power of a relationship with God, not the power of religion and religion. how it can heal and transform every single aspect of a human being's life. And so that's what I've dedicated my life to, you know, helping people transform, expressing my testimonial of how God saved my life and how I live in abundance versus scarcity. I live in faith versus fear and I live the most beautiful life. I, could, I couldn't I could even imagine feeling this way at any point in my life because I never experienced anything close to it. And to receive God's love every day, to feel his presence in my life every day, to feel his will for my life every single day, to feel his direction for my life every single day, his guidance, his protection. There's no greater gift a man can ever have in his life than fully receiving God's love and accepting it and accepting his will. And mm -hmm. so now, you know, my work is to bring wealth to God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. That's my story, brother. That's so good. It's such a very interesting so good. and it's such a transformative very interesting story. and transformative story. Okay, so I've got two questions because for you. Him. 
Okay, so I've got two questions for yeah. you. Oh, glory. oh, glory to him. What's that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, glory to him. <laughs> all glory. All, yeah, play, so the, all praise, all honor, all glory to him. Yeah, so all the time. The, all the time. So, um, all the, time. the questions. So, um, the questions. You know, I've actually learned one or two things from your story, I've and I'm so excited about it. One or two things from your story. I tell you. I tell you. Because not because many people, not many people, love to study God's word cool. when they're in the midst of challenges. Study God's word when they're in the midst of challenges. Okay, so the question: um, What do you believe, old okay, so people? The question: um, What do you believe, old people? Back from the life they dream of. I'm sorry, you cut the out. Life they dream of. What holds people back from the life they dream of? Yeah. Is that the question? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a powerful question. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's a lack of self-love. It's as simple as that. Because when you're afraid, you're not honoring yourself. When you're afraid, you're letting yourself down. And it's okay to be afraid. But when the fear overpowers the belief in self, that's, that's an act of hatred towards yourself. And when you don't believe in yourself enough to pursue your dream, you're the cruelest person in your life. But you want to blame it on all the outside circumstances. You don't want to take responsibility. It's too, it's too painful to accept responsibility that all the problems in your life are the rooted in you being the only problem in your life. It's fear. It's constant fear. It's conditioned into us. Don't, don't take big risks because of the possible outcomes. Don't show people who you truly are because of the, the rejection. Don't be vulnerable because of the susceptibility that it creates in your life. Don't be authentic because people will judge you. Don't be truthful because it's going to harm you. And you want to be all these things in your relationships, but you're not because you're conditioned to believe everything wrong in life versus everything beautiful in life. And we're too afraid to endure hardship. And people choose the flavor of suffering that they know that they're certain of, that they can live in enough pain to go through it. And they're choosing suffering because they don't love themselves. And that's how I was for so long. Elijah, I was making millions of dollars and I still didn't think I was capable of doing what I was truly called to do because I thought it was too big for me because I didn't love myself. You know, and at the end of the day, when you surrender, which society tells you is an act of weakness, but the strongest men in the world and women in the world surrender themselves to a creator. An act of hitting your knee and bowing your head to a power greater than yourself, asking for help 
asking for love, asking for guidance is the greatest act of self-love a human being can ever give himself. We all seek love from other people, from substances, from material possessions, from achievements, from accomplishments. That's where we, we as human beings are conditioned to receive our love and our worth. Yet people with lots of money aren't happy unless those, pe although, unless those people amass that wealth because of the good that they do in the world, the belief in their purpose. You know how many people always say, Elijah, I feel called. I feel called to do something. Well, who do you think it is that's calling you? Where do you think you're being called from? How is this entering your heart and your soul? Why won't it go away from you? You're rejecting God because you reject his faith in you. To have faith in you, you have to believe God has faith in you. And brother, I, I say this with absolute certainty because I used to be this way. All the data said I was capable, but my mind told me I wasn't. My mind told me don't risk it. My mind lived in scarcity. My mind lived in fear. My mind lived in anxiety. My mind lived in fear of judgment, fear of not being good enough, fear of persecution, fear of failing, even though, and, and this, is, this is crucial, man. People are so afraid of things being too hard. But you've made it through every hardest moment in your life. Yet you think you can't do it in other aspects of your life. All of a sudden, life throws you something that you never expected. And if you're still here, you endured it. You lived through it. You came out the other side of it. You, you didn't succumb. You didn't die. You, you didn't lose every single imaginable thing. And people have so much fear of hardship that they can't comprehend the actual joy in the hardship of pursuing what your destiny is. Because we all live in fear. And fear is the greatest act of malice towards oneself. Again, we all have fear. Fear can be good in a lot of ways. When it comes to physical safety, fear, that's good. That's smart. But when it comes to pursuing a life worth living, fear is your worst enemy. It's going to come up because that's the way that we're wired. But to, for you to recognize that it's not real. Fear is not real. It doesn't actually exist in this realm of reality. It literally is a figment of your imagination. It's a figment of your subconscious. And that's how I live my life, man. Just constant fear. It was rooted in me deeply from a child, from physical violence, from watching my father get stabbed, from getting beat up at school all the time, from seeing murders, from, from just horrible things. I, my whole life, I was rooted in fear. Something that doesn't even exist. It's not real. It's not tangible. Do you know the first words God ever spoke to me when I called out to him? Yeah, I want to know it. Do not be afraid. Yeah, I want to know it. There is nothing to fear. 
Matthew 10.26 through Matthew 10.28. Do not be afraid. There is nothing to fear. There is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. There is nothing concealed that will not come to light. Do not fear the ones who could break the mind and body here. What I proclaim to you, shout from the roof. What I tell you in the dark, proclaim in the light. Do not be afraid. Think about the power and the magnitude of that. I lived a life crippled in fear. Fear of judgment, fear of persecution, fear of failure, fear of not fitting in, fear of not being loved, fear of not being accepted, fear of not being worthy, fear of not being valued, fear of not being important, fear, 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 fear of losing what I had, fear of pursuing what I wanted, fear. And the first time I ever called out to a God whose name I didn't know. A voice entered my stomach when I was sitting on the couch. I had just come home from jail for the first time in my life. I had destroyed the life that I built for almost a decade. And I dropped to my knees and I called out to God. I said, I don't know what your name is. I beg you to save my life. And a voice entered my stomach while I was sitting on the couch crying, thinking about what was going to happen if people found out. And a voice said, Google Bible 1026, because the time on the TV was 1026. So the voice said, Google Bible 1026. And that's the verse that showed up. And I didn't understand what it meant because I wasn't capable of receiving. I wasn't capable of fully receiving the power of God. And again, there is nothing concealed that will not be made known. There's nothing hidden that will come to light, but don't be afraid. The very next day, my face and my mugshot were plastered all over social media and on the front page of the news. Really? The worst thing I ever did in my life really? was revealed to everyone. Everyone knew. And for a split moment of a second, I was going to commit suicide. And then I remembered Matthew 10, 26. There is nothing concealed that will not be made known. There is nothing hidden that will not come to light. Do not be afraid of them. And it saved my life. In that moment, I accepted that God was real. I accepted that he was present in my life. And I accepted that he revealed himself to me. But I still couldn't fully comprehend. Elijah, that Bible verse that I Googled saved my life, and I still never opened up a Bible after that. Because I was still living by my will and my way. And now, Elijah, this right here, I don't know if you can really see it well. Matthew 10, 26, Proverbs 16, 3. Every single day I live my life. These are my ethos. God told me not to be afraid. I'm no longer afraid. God told me to proclaim from the roof what he tells me. That's what I'm doing right now. I put him at the center of all I do and all I do prospers. I don't live my life anymore. I live God's design for my life with pure faith. Pure faith. No more fear, only faith. And the best thing a human being can do them for themselves 
is to receive true love. True love only exists through Jesus Christ. True lasting love only exists through a relationship with Jesus Christ. He gave his life for you to be able to receive his love. There is no more God of wrath. There is only God of light. There's only God of forgiveness. And that's because he gave his life for us. How can I not give my life to him? He, he recreated me when I received him. That old, miserable, sad, self-pitying human being that I used to be for 40 years. God took him, nurtured him, and recreated him into a man capable of executing whatever God's will is for my life. And that's when I realized earlier on, I didn't have to understand God's will, but I knew God's will to actually be only for me to be a man capable of executing whatever he put in my path. And that's a man of faith. A man of fear can never execute God's will wholly. Only a man of faith can do that. You do not find a relationship with Jesus Christ in religion. You find a relationship with Jesus Christ in your heart. You read his word and he speaks to you. He reveals to you what he needs you to know. And for me, brother, I can tell you with absolute certainty, the key to pursuing the life of my dreams is for my dream to be to pursue a life that God wants for me. Because that's the life that is the dream. My wants, needs, desires are no longer my wants, needs, desires. My wants, needs, desires are to only want for what God needs me to do. And the desire and the will to execute it. You know, most Christians don't even proclaim their faith. They deny God all the time because of fear of persecution, fear of judgment, fear of retaliation, fear of rejection. You reject the man who sacrificed his life for you to receive his love because you want to receive the love of other people who themselves are in so much pain and suffering that they are incapable of giving you the love that you seek. How is that being a Christian? I don't even, I really, I struggle with saying that I'm a Christian. I really do. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a spiritual gangster of Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? And there are amazing, godly people in this world who don't even believe in God, but they live values as if they do. And there are Christians who are pure evil. Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross for religion. He didn't come no. to earth to create a religion. No. He came to earth to spread the word and to spread the love. Jesus Christ didn't die for Christians. He didn't die for Jews. He didn't die for Muslims. He didn't die for pagans. 
He died for all of humanity. All of humanity. So who are you to judge anybody? Gay, straight, trans, black, white, murderer, uh, angel. Who are you to judge anybody? Anybody is capable of forgiveness if in their heart they truly seek it. Anybody. Most people who are religious experts and religious scholars, woe you religious experts, for you yourself will never enter my father's gates, let alone the people who you teach. You are blasphemers. I don't remember what Bible verse that is, but that is definitely in the Bible. You're not, you're not going to enter God's kingdom through the doors of a church. Hmm. You are the church. You need right. to let God enter the, the doors of right. your soul. That's living in God's kingdom. Look, you don't have to die to go to heaven. You don't have to die to go to hell. You reject God, your life will be a living hell. You receive God, your life will be heaven on earth. In this dimension, in this state of consciousness, hell and heaven exist here. They're not a fictitious place. They are your state of existence. Are you living in scarcity and fear, then my friend, you live in hell. Are you living in abundance and faith, no matter what material possession you have, then my friend, you're living in heaven. Hmm. Plain and simple. I did 40 years of research to prove this, my friend. My life has been nothing more than a research project. My number one strength is pattern recognition. I spent my whole life trying to understand why and how. And it wasn't until I took my first true faith-based action with zero fear that all of a sudden, all the answers were given to me. I found purpose in every moment of my life. I found joy in every bit of suffering. It was instantly like every single neuron and mapping and connection in my brain changed. That, my friend, and this is, this is the most powerful two millimeter shift any human being can give themselves to live a life completely different. It was in that moment I stopped asking the question, why did this happen to me? And I started to seek, why did this happen for me? A shift in the world to to four. Two is self-pity. Why did this happen to me? Four is faith. God has a plan for this. What is his plan? What is his plan for me to, to, to honor him with this gift of pain and suffering that he's given me? There's purpose in it. God chose his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the thing he loved more than anything in the world. He chose him to suffer more than any human being would ever suffer. But we think if we suffer that God hates us, that God is cruel, that God is unjust. He chose 
his only son to suffer unimaginable suffering to save us because he loved his son so much and he loved us so much. Yet we have one little problem in our life and we condemn God. You know, people are like, why does God let people suffer so much? Why is there all this murder and all this hate and all this evil in the world? Well, guess what? God's going to ask you the same question. Why do you let it happen? Why do you let all Mm. this pain and evil and murder Mm. happen in the world? I gave you free will. It's your world. You're responsible. His will cannot be done without followers who are committed to executing his will. Mm. We blame him. We're the ones responsible. You know, and, and again, I hated God. Forget, forgive me for saying it, Lord, but you know, I hated him. I blamed him for everything wrong in my life. Because hmm. I was too immature hmm. and too jaded and conditioned by the world to think any other way. And it was only in the absolute depths of despair. I begged to die. I begged to die. I couldn't kill myself. I couldn't, I could not let my sons grow up with a father who just gave up his life. But I begged God to do it for me. And it was only then in the absolute depth of the most agony imaginable, the truest form of hell. I was in hell. And I was still redeemable. Not only was I redeemable, I was chosen. We're all redeemable. We're all chosen. I'm not special. You just have to seek him. He is the light. He is the way. He is the truth. I was the lowest a human being could ever get. And I'm the highest a human being can ever get. Yeah. There is nobody on this earth who is not capable of doing anything I do. Mm. If you're led, truly mm. led by Jesus Christ, truly led by Jesus Christ, True. you will live the life of your dreams. True. Truly. And there's, there, it doesn't require you to be rich in money because you are rich in heart and soul. Yeah. There is, that is financial freedom to not need a quantity of money to be happy and abundant and grateful in your life. That is financial freedom. And when you think that way, the probability of you actually obtaining financial wealth beyond your your imagination exponentially increases. Because you're not thinking in fear. You already have everything you need. And when you realize you need nothing other than what you already have, you're not afraid of anything. 
Because you trust in God. You know, the day I made this decision to pursue this life, to not go back to my old career where I would easily, easily make a million dollars a year. And I acted in faith and I acted in service to God. I was running out of money, man. I, I didn't work for two years. I squandered the millions I made on sin. Just all sin. The, the, the lowest, deadliest forms of sin. I spent millions on it. And when I made the choice to follow God's will, I gave this man who God put in my path. And I, I made sure I knew God put him in my path because I made sure this painting was behind me when the camera turned on. I made sure this cross was visible when the camera turned on. I made sure that I was a walking proclamation of faith in Jesus Christ. And I knew if that bothered him, he wasn't the man for me to work with. I knew if he resonated with it, that God, God said, this is it. And he was a brother in Christ. And in that moment, I literally just said, I'm in. I don't even know what you're really offering, but I'm in. This is blessed by God. And I gave this man half of all the money I had left to my name in pure faith. No fear whatsoever. Absolute certainty. And for the second time in my life, the voice of the Holy Spirit entered my stomach. I'm, I'm, I left a huge, massive parts of my story out, Elijah. But so I'm, I'm a veteran of the United States Army. I'm a disabled veteran. And I have been in a battle with the Department of Veteran Affairs for almost a decade about receiving compensation for my injuries. And they had wow. been denied and denied and denied and denied. And the day after, I gave this man my money in an act of faith-based action. I'm on my knees. I have a much larger painting, the exact same painting you see. I have one three times the size downstairs. I, that's where I kneel and I pray every day. And I'm, pain, I'm kneeling in front of that picture of Jesus Christ and I'm praying and the voice of the Holy Spirit enters one more time. And I have not heard from the VA or my lawyer in four years. Four years, I haven't heard a word. And that voice of the Spirit said, check your VA benefits. And I went online. I checked my benefits, and after 10 years, everything was approved. And then the voice of the Holy Spirit said, check your bank account. And I checked my bank account, and 10 years of back pay compensation was deposited into my bank account. I had no fear. All these, what if I can't afford this? What if I can't afford that? What if I lose this? What if I lose that? It went out the window. And I said, damn it, I have to act in true faith. God will provide. God will provide. And the next day, now you think about the questions I used to have. Why is the VA not paying me? Why are they denying me my benefits? Why am I being treated this way? Why is this happening to me? Well, guess what, baby? God had a plan, and I had to become a man capable of executing his plan. And when I became capable of being that man, and I showed up for the first time in my life as a capable man of God, that's why I didn't get that money. Because 
He gave it to me when he knew I was going to need it the most. If he gave it to me when I was living a life of sin, what have I used it for? More sin. And that's the moment my life changed from why did that happen to me to why is God making this happen for me? And everything about how I view the world, everything how I view about suffering, everything how I view about hardship, everything about how I view about pain, all of it shifted. It's all a gift. All a gift. Jesus Christ was given the greatest gift on earth, and he was given the gift of suffering. And it didn't feel like suffering for him because of the purpose and the passion that he knew he was the one God chose. He was the one God chose to do God's work. And so, uh, you know, I mean, you can see my passion for this, man. You can see my certainty in this. Like, I, Seriously. Seriously. I wake up every single day. Every single day I wake up as if this is a dream, the greatest dream of my life. Because every moment I wake up, my, my, my brain wakes me up with singing worship songs or saying, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. That's literally how my brain wakes up. And I live in abundance. I live in gratitude. And I feel like I have won the lottery of life every single day. Every day. And I pray that no matter what hardship comes my way, I will never waver in my faith every day. Yeah. Yeah. Every single day. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's so great. Yeah. So, um, I know that was a very long answer and very long winded and I went on a tangent, but you know, I, I was on my yeah. knees praying for the Holy Spirit to speak through me, to take control of my tongue, wow. to execute God's it did, will. It did. And wow. it did. that was it. It did. It did, it did man. It did. Because you, you, you said so many transforming things by the Spirit. You said so many I tell you, I tell you things that are life changing, life changing things. You said it. Life changing, life changing things. Thank you. Soul changing things, man. When your soul changes, your life changes. Holy Spirit. The soul has to change for the life to truly change. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, maybe what we do is. We will, you know, we will share them another time. You come another time again to, so we can talk more. And more. Another time again you get it? I'm sorry, brother. You're, you're breaking up. I couldn't understand anything you said. The network. Could you possibly okay, I put said, it in the chat? The network. Okay, okay, I said. Okay. I would like to invite you again. I would like to so invite you, you again. again. I would love to. I would love to come again, brother. Any opportunity I have to talk about God's glory and grace, I I can't, I'll never say no. That's That's literally the greatest thing I can ever do in my life is to proclaim, proclaim from the roof. So that's that's going to be the end of the show. Thank you for the invite, Derek. I'm sorry, brother. I, I couldn't hear you again, Elijah, but um, anytime. I'd be happy to come back anytime, talk about anything and everything that, you know, you'd ever want to talk about. That's great. 
I said that's going to be the end of the show. It's that's nice great. to have you. I said you. that's going to be the end of the show. It's nice to have you. Thank you very much, brother. Thank you so much. Will you be able to share a recording of this for me that I can create some uh, content clips from? Sure, sure. I'll do that. Awesome. And um, would you please confirm the internet? Confirm what, brother? Oh, that we completed? Yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go do that right now. And expect an Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, brother. Please let me know when you post it on your platforms Thank also. You. God bless you. Thank you for giving okay. me an opportunity to serve him today. Take care, brother. Thank you for tuning in to this incredible episode. Your support means the world to us, and we truly value you. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Your feedback is greatly appreciated.